No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, a podcast about our shared inevitable demise. My name is John Toyson. I am your host, and on today's episode, we have my good friend Sunflower, uh, Sunny. She came on to talk about her experiences growing up in Minnesota, being a mom, uh, being an all-around good person, not unlike past guest Katie. Uh, Sunny also had some amazing stories to share about uh, some family members who had near-death experiences. Uh, she actually shares a ghost story at the end, uh, very tail end of the episode that I wanted to get her back to talk more about, but just really kind of a, a great freewheeling discussion about a variety of things, among others, how the banking world is not a good fit for everybody. <laughs> that uh, Both Sunny and I ran into that over the course of our lives that... Uh, Banking was not for us, so it's taken us in different directions. So stay tuned and uh, listen to the great conversation. As always, I uh, appreciate it and enjoy. Do it. So that's it. Awesome. We're starting. Um, you want to get just a little bit closer sure. to the mic, and then I think I just bumped my thing. <laughs> thump, thump, thump. Cool. Okay. So, uh, with me, I have my friend Sunflower. Hello. She's very sunny. Uh, <laughs> I can see your levels here. Everything looks good. So, what I've been talking about with people is just how we're all facing the idea of the inevitable demise. We are all going to die. It's not something we all think about every single day, but it's definitely something that's unacknowledged in society for the most part. Like we're not faced with it in advertising and all the pop culture messaging that we're getting every day. So that's why I wanted to bring you over and say hi and have a conversation about what this all means. So would you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself and kind of basic details who Sunflower is and where she comes from? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up uh, in Golden Valley, Minnesota, attended uh, Hopkins Public Schools. I uh, then moved to Minnetonka when I was in junior high, and my parents built a house there and uh, just kind of grew up. I'm saying ah so much, aren't That's I? That's all right. You're doing great. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and so then I went on to go to school at the University of Kansas. I uh, came back to Minnesota after five years there. Uh, actually, no, I was th- I was at KU for four years. Yeah, but you left for a while and came back. I did. I well, so I studied abroad. Okay. Uh, I studied abroad in the Czech Republic, and then I ended up backpacking around Europe for three months, which cool. my parents weren't too thrilled about. <laughs> uh, but we had a blast doing that, and then came back. Yeah, so I came back. I had. None of my credits transferred from my study abroad, so I, <laughs> I had some more classes to make up. So I came back after KU after four years and finished up my fifth year at uh, the University of St. Catherine and then went on uh, to go into finance with an English degree out of KU, of all things. No, I didn't know about the finance part of it. Yeah, I worked for Merrill Lynch. That's uh, right. That's yeah, right. Okay. Like right out of college. As a client associate, I it, it was not for me. I have a learning disability in math, so there you go. Here I am working in finance. Yeah. And also, I just found it so interesting that when I got up in the morning, it was so hard for me to be like, 
you know, I'm really helping people by transferring like $15,000 for them to do this and that and to, you know, go buy their son or daughter a new BMW because they needed like a, you know, $30,000 transfer or whatever. Yeah. So for me, I I found that to be difficult because I was thinking to myself, how am I really helping them? Yeah. I think other people in, in the industry do a really good job at that and they are able to help people in so many ways financially in different ways. My role in that business was just not something I felt like uh, was helping people, which I think my whole life I've been wanting to just get in a profession where I felt like I was making a difference. Yeah, you had a real value mismatch with it. Yeah, yeah. So blessing in disguise, I got laid off um, at a time that they laid off like 10,000 people. Um, and I was so, I was like, at the time, just, I cannot believe they did this, blah, blah, blah. And then now I'm like, wow, what was I thinking? Why was I so upset about getting <laughs> laid off? Because it was awesome. I moved in with my parents at, how old was I? 23, 23 years yeah, old. Yeah, the audacity of laying <laughs> off a 23-year-old. How <laughs> dare they? I know. Right. But then I realized, you know, people my whole life said I should be a teacher. And I kind of pushed back against that for a while. And then I thought, why don't I give it a try? So I went back to St. Thomas and got my master's in education from there. And I am so grateful for that because now I've been teaching for, this will be my eighth year teaching. So. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was telling our mutual friend, Katie, that I think we've known each other now probably 15 years. And that yeah. seems way too long. Like that doesn't seem mathematically possible. That oh my gosh. Yeah. I know, and I've known your beautiful wife since, uh, <laughs> how long, since seventh grade? Oh, my yeah. gosh. So um, it's been a long time, and it's crazy how our friends from high school are still my very, very best friends to this day, and I just don't feel like you have that. No, you make you friends know? with the right people, and they just stick with you your whole life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I'm surprised to hear is how much you pushed back against the idea of teaching, that that was something <laughs> that, I mean, it seems like a natural fit for you. Like, well, duh, I mean, you just are such a kind benevolent just a nurturing person oh, who wants people so to sweet. do well i mean and you talk about that with what you were initially getting into with merrill lynch that what was it that you were finding that you were pushing back against was it just the idea of being told what to do or i think it... so you know those tests they give you in high school that's like what should you be when you grow up and you answer all these questions and mine was either an actress which was kind of far-fetched i thought in my opinion i just didn't feel like at the time i was in high school i had the confidence for that <laughs> but i love theater but i i would always get that or teaching those are the two things. Okay. And in actuality, when you're in the education profession, you really do act every day. And not to say like you're acting like you hate your job and you're acting like you love it. It's just more. <laughs> no, that's more the business world. <laughs> true. That's corporate true. banking. I was there. There's a lot of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, but more like every class, it's almost like a play that I just get to teach them mm -hmm. and I try and be, you know, spontaneous in some way, the school I'm at. We have to give a lot of direct instruction to help my kiddos. But, but yeah, I, I feel like you just have to help them learn, and it shouldn't be boring and mundane. You just need to get out there and be like, hey, this is how we can do this, and there's so many different ways to do it, and let's be excited about it. And so it's almost like you're just playing a role, and you get to teach them in fun new ways while acting at the same time because yeah. who wants to listen to some – yeah, because who wants to listen to some – monotone teacher who feels like they hate their job you know those are the ones who put you to sleep <laughs> so true yeah. i'm sure some of my students i probably put them to sleep in some 
some cases too. But well, your kids are pretty young, aren't they? I'm middle school, so oh, they are. Yeah, I mean, maturity level wise, yeah. Yeah, but you, <laughs> you're a brave woman going in there every day and just. Oof, I know what I was like in middle school, and that's. Yeah. yeah, I know. But to answer your question, I think it was, yeah, just you. You know, you never want to. F- I don't know. Part of me just wanted to not follow in those footsteps of this is what you should do because this is how you are. And yeah, my dad was in finance. So I, I really wanted to try that route just to see if I can make him proud. And he's always been the type of person that's like, do what makes you happy. So I don't even know what I was thinking with that. But, but in the end, you know, when I got laid off, he was once again, like, Hey, you, it was a good lifelong lesson. And now let's find something that makes you happy. So yeah, yeah, it was hard. I dreaded going to work when I worked in finance every day. The business world is just not for me. It's and it's it is for many people. I am of a similar mindset <laughs> where I'm realizing now in hindsight, yeah, it was just I felt like I was putting on a costume and not Oh, totally. Yeah, just that sense of dread of oh god, here we go another 9 hours of just mm-hmm. this is just not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's I know. again, there's many people that do well and thrive in that, but I think you and I have a lot of overlap in um, innate sensibilities and I get some of the same results when I'm looking at aptitude things and what do I have to contribute I see a lot of like you should be an actor I'm like right I need a steady paycheck though <laughs> this is Minnesota I'm not in LA or New York so there aren't as many opportunities yeah um yeah but I do see a lot of teacher on my results of like yeah oh, interesting I don't know if I want to go that route now and mm-hmm. go back to school for it but but you have the patience you have amazing patience and ability and you're so bright I think I think you'd be a great teacher but obviously I have many joking responses to that but I'll just take it and (laughs) let it go on so one thing that I know about you that I would always ask you about because it was always a curiosity when I was younger is my wife would mention when we would go to a party or something where you and I would interact before I knew you super well she would caution me and say now, sunflower's a little religious, just more so than the average bear, just in the idea of maybe tone down the sacrilegious or, like, intentionally offensive stuff around her. Don't be quite as abrasive and just, like, you know, be a gentleman. And that was kind of before I was housebroken, you know? So I need yeah. to— And so knowing that, I used to always corner you at parties and say, so what does this mean? Like, do you—what was your religious upbringing? Yeah. Well, so interesting that you say that. I felt like, well, so I was Presbyterian growing up and, you know, we went to church on Christmas and Easter and the typical days. I feel like you go to church, but it wasn't like we weren't the family that was super strict in our religion. I think probably what she was thinking of is that faith is something that's super important to me. Okay. But in terms, and probably just because I don't swear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that's a personal choice, not necessarily a religious choice, but that's probably, I'm sure that's probably what she was cautioning too. Um, but yeah, so we were, I mean, you know, we'd pray at meals sometimes, um, but it wasn't something that was, that was really instilled in us, I guess I should say. Um, my sister, I don't really know her stance on stuff anymore. My brother is an atheist. So I mean, like an avow that, stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I felt like I kind of discovered myself and how I really felt about religion later in life, Hmm. Um, which I'm sure a lot of people do. But I do know a lot of people as kids who are, you know, born up this, were brought up this way and then 
they practice it and raise their kids that way and so on and so on. So, so yeah, we went to a big church in downtown Minneapolis, um, like where the Dayton's go. And it was, it was a lot, like a lot of kids from private schools, a lot of super wealthy kids went there. And so it was just more, you're pulling in kids from all different places, you know? And I'm making Kim laugh because I'm, uh, she can see me smiling and I'm thinking about the fact that those are Jesus's favorite people. He <laughs> loves the super wealthy. That was his big oh, thing. Give the prosperity. To the go- yes. yes. Prosperity gospel. Yes. The whole throwing over the, the, you know, the tables at the money changer in the yes. temple. Those were Jesus's big problem. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. And I remember, so I remember at this church and it was, it was a great, more, more liberal, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know the church there, that you're talking about. Do you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there, but when I was going to classes for confirmation, so I went through confirmation there. One of my favorite, I think, I mean, pastors, I think that's what they were called there. This is so crazy. I haven't been there in so many years. I don't remember. But yeah, so he was gay and the church frowned upon that, which was shocking to me because he had been there for so long and was so amazing and everyone loved him, I being one of them. And I remember my dad, who, I mean, I'm going to say it, my parents are Republican, they're very conservative, um, but I feel like the conservative for the money side and not necessarily that we want to have guns. Uh, fiscal conservative. <laughs> and point of correction in case anybody on Twitter has a problem with it. Pretty sure it's Presbyterian minister, but I, it's yeah. not really part of the conversation. I, don't, <laughs> I know. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. But this guy but yeah, was as much so of the... he was, yeah, and he was run out of the church. I mean, like, it's awful. And my parents were so against it. I know my dad is a person who was on a board to keep him there. And um, the I don't know who's high up there, but they were just like, no, I mean, he's going to. And I remember, I think I was probably only like 12 and or 13. And I remember being like, this is so wrong and not really knowing or understanding like I do to this day. So um, I think my parents, because of that and because of other financial things that were happening got really turned off at that point by the church so we still went at holidays and stuff but it wasn't like an every Sunday kind of thing and it never was but I think we did go more when I was little than we did when I was a teenager and in high school so you're gonna ask something well no I'm just wondering (laughs) if that was something that you intentionally stuck with as you left home to go to college and go abroad because for me it was definitely once I was beyond my parents' direct um, sphere of influence, it was something that was like, well, I just, A, I don't want to get up on Sundays anymore. I'd yeah. like two days to sleep in. Yeah. And B, it just it didn't ring authentic for me in that I didn't find whatever I was lacking in my life at that time wasn't being met by that particular set of uh, ideology or that dogma of go to this building and read this book and do this right. like the basic tenets of being a good person you know the golden rule of yeah. treat others how you'd want to be treated I think that's where if not if nothing else I think that's where my parents wanted something to take root mm-hmm. which it thankfully did for me I think that's a real simple benevolent way to live I think life is better for everyone if you try to make life better for everyone and 100% agree but it's and I can certainly see where your parents would want to come from taking kids to church to give them that that uh, moralistic background of being good, being kind, following mm-hmm. rules, taking care of people, altruism, taking care of the lesser. But then for myself, once I stepped away from it, it quickly became a 
okay, if this is not sacred, like capital S sacred, when I start looking at it through the same lens that I'm looking at other religions from an educational standpoint and start picking things apart of, so what does this mean if history was written by the winners? What does this mean if this was made by these? So was that something that happened with you at all that you pursued? Oh, yeah. So you were curious about where this comes from? So, yeah. So, you know, I did not go to church ever in college on my own, ever. I wasn't part of like a religious group. In fact, I remember one of my professors when I had to take a religious course. Is that a thing that they make you do at every school? Did you have to do that? Well, you went to a Catholic. Yeah, I went to Catholic <laughs> high school and Catholic colleges. Yeah. So yeah, that was okay. definitely. I but I, st- I in other public school settings, is that if that's like a thing? But I think that it is a thing where they will treat it as one amongst the many that we would study. Yeah. But I, I'm thinking in a small town in rural Wisconsin, they would say, but this is the one. I mean, <laughs> yes, look, there's Judaism and Buddhism and all these cute little things, but clearly this is the one that you want to Yeah. Do. Yeah. So I I mean, I didn't really attend church at all. Sure. Um, it wasn't until I started getting older that I started questioning things. Mm. I've never, and I don't think my family brought me up this way either. We never read the Bible. It wasn't something that like I said, was really instilled upon us. But I dated someone in college who was pretty religious and he um, went to a school in Colorado and there was, um, we did long distance for a long time, but there were a lot of people he met that really pushed him to get into this one group. And we slowly realized that it was a cult that he was in. Yes. No. Yes. It was crazy. And so I pushed hard for him to get out of it because I realized how unhealthy it was. I mean, it was like Jesus is life times a million. So a Christian cult too. Yeah. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. I mm-hmm. had no idea. Yes. I've known you 15 years. I've also <laughs> known this other person and now just connecting the Legos in the back of my mind of, oh, right, these two. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. a cult. Interesting. And we were so... I don't, he could speak to that more than I could because I, he would tell me things about it and I'd be like, this does not sound healthy. This does not sound normal. Mm-hmm. Then I thought to myself, well, what is healthy and normal? I mean, is this cult isn't trying to kill him, but it's like, it's trying to take away his identity, I felt like. And I, I don't know. Is that a thing where all of a sudden you're like, religion could be the death of who you are as a human because you get so invested into it. Um, That's what I was scared of. And then that's when I really started questioning, like, what is this book written hundreds of years ago? I think as an English major, I think about this too. Like, who wrote this and where did it actually come from? And why are we all following it? No matter what religion we believe in, like, should we trust a book that we don't even know where it comes from? And... I'm sure people can question that statement that I just made as well. But I feel like, to me, faith is my religion in terms of I'm a person who believes in faith. I believe in God. I pray every single night. And I truly count my blessings. I do not go to church every Sunday. I do not read the Bible. I don't really believe or follow what's in the Bible. But I believe in God and I believe in a higher power. And I think that's something that I will stand by and and want my kids to believe too because whether or not you're Catholic, Presbyterian, Jewish, Muslim, anything, I think you have to believe in something. 
And that's my that's my strong point on religion now is that I've been to Bible study groups and I've been reading this and that and dated people who are very religious and, you know, have talked many in-depth conversations to people about Christianity. I taught in a very Orthodox Jewish school for two years as well. And so that opened my eyes to things. But I really do believe if you if you believe in anything, no matter what it is, like that's faith. And yeah, to me, that's that's what I mean by I'm religious because I believe, if that makes sense. Now, do I believe in Jesus Christ? Do I believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God because He's my higher power. Now, that there's something if I want real beyond this yes. existence of yes, okay, like, do I believe in heaven and hell? I that's a great question because I don't think that people would actually go to hell because that's just the optimistic person I am. But I also believe that people who do bad things, that karma will come to them. Okay. And we could get on karma and the definition of that and go into that. But I think maybe they just sit there and don't go anywhere. But the people that are good and people who believe in something, I do think there's an afterlife for that. And I think I think that because I want to believe that so bad. Okay. And there's a well put and thank you for sharing. Oh, yeah. That's that's exactly why I wanted to ask you about this. <laughs> there are a million things I want to just footnote and go down tangents about. Uh, I know I went on a ramble. <laughs> no, it's great. That's why. That's exactly why I wanted to talk about it and why I use this all as kind of a preamble to get to the heavier, morbid stuff that we'll get to. But um, so what I've really picked up from you is not unlike what I've heard about our generation and younger that it's not organized religion with a capital R, but it's the idea of spirituality, and that where I think that I have a, a, a lack of religiosity, I've had other very spiritual people, other, other particularly practicing religious people say, you actually, meaning me, have a capacity for it, but that I don't acknowledge it in the same way. So whereas mm-hmm. you, Sunflower, say, I'm somebody who has faith it's it's almost like another sense that you have it's this thing that you practice and uh, and I a part of your mind that you open up to say praying is not you kneeling at the side of your bed with on your knees with your hands folded saying dear right. lord jesus please protect me this is the idea that you're speaking to some kind of higher existence that you feel is responsible for some part of this to say thank you or please care for somebody that needs it is that 100 percent. yeah and i think i i still try and pray every night there's many nights i don't and i'm not like oh i didn't pray tonight i just think for it's almost like a meditation if anything because i lay in bed i do it in my head i don't speak out loud and i just it'll be something like dear lord thank you for everything you have given us like my wonderful beautiful children and family and amazing husband and a house that we love and health. I just think I have to sit there and thank someone because whether or not it's luck or faith, I think things happen for a reason. So the (laughs) complete opposite to that, the the other side of the coin is how my natural hardwiring operates, which is (laughs) I have to remind myself worry is not a talisman against bad things happening. So my doctor recently said to me that she recognizes uh, 
definite OCD tendencies in me, not yeah. through physical behavior, but through thought Thoughts? process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I recognize, and I'm I'm well aware of who my people are going from, coming from my background. That if <laughs> I if I don't make myself feel bad, who will? Like if I am not grateful for something, if I'm not worrying about something, something bad could happen. And if I don't have anxiety about well, what about my daughter what if something happens to my daughter mm-hmm. that doesn't mean she won't get sick that means right. i'm just spending that mental energy and that's if anything it's the inverse it's the ac to the dc the 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 other current of electricity saying whereas you have this positivity of thank you for this i'm this little toxic cloud of oh gosh what about this bad thing what about this bad thing and it takes a lot of effort and some steady medication to say that's not healthy. That's just right. justifiable narcissism in my own mind. Some people would say it's the devil talking to you. Right, yeah. You know, 100, 200 years ago, that would be, you know, the voice of the devil. And right. I'm cursed and I need, or, you know, I'm uh, possessed and need an exorcism or, it's, right. you know, pray the devil away. And that's right. what I, I keyed in on as well with your idea of karma and retribution for actions. It's, mm-hmm. again, I'm sure this is exemplify you know or um the groundwork is laid the fossils are there from my own western upbringing of being raised lutheran that treating others as you would want to be treated or being kind taking care of the lesser that that only begets more good that quote unquote sinful actions would only bring about more pain that just misery begets misery and whether or not it's coming from a religious standpoint the idea that you can lead an authentic, true life of wanting to help people and being good to people and sleep better at night knowing that you haven't screwed a bunch of people over and that you don't have a bunch <laughs> of people out there coming, gunning for you, that they're going to get right. you. Like Certain uh, political figures in our modern day, <laughs> I've given up wishing ill will against them because <laughs> I am sure that they lie awake at night just thinking about all the horrible things that they've done I and hope that, they do. Uh, that it not in a I hope bad things happen but that I I feel bad because you've led a life of toxicity and just mm-hmm. drain just the absence of making things better absence of making things better that how could you possibly lead a peaceful life from this you know right. I it's kind of like camping to make it really simple that just leave it better than when you came in and that's 100 percent. and that's sad that it's getting torn apart right now um with all the nice the way the campsite was before now it's just completely destroyed and won't be left like it was but i agree and you know to some extent i think everyone has that little devil or that little voice in their head that's saying that i think that's just human to feel that way yeah now if you feel like oh my gosh if i don't pray or if i don't say this or if i don't think that something bad is going to happen to myself or my child like that's ocd at its finest and and that's when you're (laughs) like oh (laughs) you know like yeah i can't function without doing this um and like you said then talk therapy medication whatever to help that but i think Having a healthy dose of that as well as having a positive outlook is good. I look I look at my husband. He was brought up Catholic, and my kids are baptized Catholic. Uh, we got married in a Catholic church. I have nothing against Catholicism, but I, I do not believe in a lot of what they stand for. Yeah, my, I'm just starting to grin here really wide because, A, I want to get your husband on this as well and talk to him about this, but 
I talked to past guest Katie about this as well, and Catholicism has a lot of what I consider the comic book trappings of Christianity, where there are saints, and there are sinners, and there are, you know, capital H heaven, capital H hell, and that if you do this, there are these rules and these dogmas. You have to say these prayers and do this, and Jesus' superpowers do this. Right. So he was brought up pretty heavily in that, and so that influenced a lot of your modern religious experiences, huh? Yeah, I think— he can speak to that. I don't, we don't, we actually haven't really gotten deep into religious talk, but I think that he was brought up a pretty liberal Catholic, although people in his family are more strict about it than, than he is. But I think we wanted our kids to have a choice. We brought them up as Catholic because, um, he, he wanted that as well as I thought, you know, they should, be baptized because I do feel if anything happened to them that they would go to a better place. Um, I don't think kids who aren't baptized wouldn't. That's not my belief. That's always been a weird sticking point for me too. How could, and I guess it's the arbitrary rule of original sin that everybody born past the Virgin Mary has this original sin that we're, again, it feels so comic booky and gotcha. Look at a baby. What has this baby done wrong? Right. I know nothing. And that's the thing. I don't, if we hadn't gotten our kids baptized, I don't think they wouldn't go to heaven or a better place. That's not in my thought process, but I did feel like my OCD in me was something I had to do. Um, but like I, like we were talking about, if we did something bad, if we thought a bad thought, it's not like me saying, oh, like the Catholics do where they have to, you know, ask for forgiveness all the time. That Are you going to be forgiven? Probably. But is anything going to change? No. You know, I just think that to feel that guilt. I think Catholics have so much guilt. And I do think without him showing it that my husband does. And I carry so much guilt and I'm not even Catholic. So we joke about it all the time. Like who's Catholic here? Because I do, (laughs) I do feel more guilty, I think, than he does sometimes, or he's just masking it. But, um, it's an interesting religion because it's, it is so strict on things. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. But I think anything is like Lutheran my kids go to a Lutheran preschool and we decided to get a discount for the school that we would join the church (laughs) now have we gone to actual church there no um but the guilt in me is saying we should probably go to one service because we did sign this contract to say that we would go but part of me also felt like that contract said give me money like that's all the church wants is to be a part of this church so we can give them money and at the same time, when I joined, I told them it would be great to be a part of a community because I think that's what church is about a lot, too. And I hope that's the case. And it is. These are great people. But once again, the religious part of it and the Lutheran, Catholic, whatever it is, Presbyterian part of it is help us to run the structure. So give us money. And I'm kind of tied with that because it's like, well, my kids go there. So I obviously want it to be a good structured building. Um paying the people who deserve to be paid and to be there and who are working hard. But when I give this money, do I feel like, oh, this money is going toward God and he's going to protect this church? And it's like, well, I hope that's the case, but no, it's going to the pastor who gives his days and time and that's his job. And I'm happy to do that. But I also don't want to feel gimmicky, you know, like Mm. I just, it's like, I think that's what's so hard is because things are set religion, you feel like I don't know how to explain this like I just think you shouldn't have to give money for something you believe in 
But at the same time, how would something run without seeing a profit? So <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the, the intersection of the capitalist world that we live in with the people that if we don't have an organized way to set this up and take care of the people who want to do this or feel a calling to do this, you just end up with somebody on a street corner preaching and that nobody wants to follow that because of the weird justification we have that, you know, you to have some charisma behind a public speaker, you want to have them be clean and at the front <laughs> of a pulpit and they need to be yeah. presentable. Well, I get that too as far as you feel a bit disingenuous saying, well, I mean, we're not really part of this church, but we kind of want the discount. To, mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the same reason my wife and I did not get married in a church, which caused some consternation in my family because we weren't members anywhere. And to just arbitrarily pick that one and get married there, that felt just as hollow or disrespectful right. to say, I think this building is cool, so we're going to be members here mm-hmm. for the required amount of, you know. But mm-hmm. everybody's case is different, so. Oh, more power to you for doing that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> So knowing all this, unpacking what we have now, um, to just jump right in, what happens when we die? Ooh, good question. Yeah, so (laughs) is it just lights off, that's it? Or is it, do you think there's something beyond this? What do you think happens? I think lately I've been thinking about it a lot, which I'll get into, but I I think, um, yeah, we die and it's lights out. Like I think if you're on your deathbed and you know, your body's failing you and you're going to die, like it's black and that's what happens. And your body is there, but I do believe in a soul and I believe your soul goes somewhere else. And once again, do I believe that because it's something I really hope happens? Cause then why are we on earth in the first place? Um, because people would not, I just feel like people would not look at life the way they should if they didn't believe that something good was going to happen after. Um, but I don't, in terms of black, like that would be my fear for it to just be black and then you don't open your eyes again. So I think it's black and then all of a sudden your soul is somewhere new. Do you know that you're there? Is it your body and your soul and you know that hey, I just died and now I'm here and I'm going to live this great life. No, I think when you're dead, you're dead, but your soul is somewhere else, whether it goes into a different being, whether it goes to a different place, you know, I don't know, but that's my hope. That's my hope is that the good of what was in your soul will go to a good place and be good somewhere else or be good inside someone else. So you're comfortable with there being some mystery about it, but you hope that there's something beyond this, whether it's yes. you don't expect it to be an experience just like this, but something akin to this where the individuality of yourself, that there's something beyond this that is not a reward per se, but that there's something beyond this to say, oh, side B of the tape, that yes. there's yes. another experience beyond this. 100%, yeah. Okay. And I think... I have to believe that not because if I don't believe it, I'm going to be miserable my whole life. But if I don't believe it, then how would you ever get over death? How would you ever get over someone or something, an animal or anything like that, that you love and think, well, they're just black. It's just done. It's dead. And dead to me is your body. Your body is done. I mean, that's sad, but you're, you're done. The vessel is spent. Right, right. But your soul who makes you, that, I think, how would you ever get through losing those people if you didn't believe in that? 
or animals. <laughs> sure, sure. And there are a couple of different things there that I'd like to ask about, but do you feel that the soul is something that is identified within our conscious experience, or is that something that you think is intrinsic to who we are that's separate from that? Like, does not to get too uh, yeah. cut and dry with it, but like, does brain death, does that, right. I mean, once you're no longer aware, like, right. does that, what do you think about that? I think who ever you are your soul is that personality inside of you in my mind it's just you are you what makes you you love sports you are kind to animals you whatever you love taking that and all the sorry i keep doing that no no you're fine taking that and all the good that you've done in your life that goes somewhere else let's say let's put it in a shape so the shape of a heart, not your physical heart inside your body, but all of a sudden what was in your body, um, I guess we can use the brain then, like what's in your brain and what's in your mind and everything that's in your soul is in this heart and the heart flutters up or down wherever it goes, somewhere else, and it does something wonderful. It goes into something else and makes that person have a happiness or a like for something or it goes to another place and stays there for a while and gets stronger and then goes to find another thing. I think I like that you can't see me right now, but I'm like using my hands fluttering around mm -hmm. like a little heart. Lots of fun jazz hands. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I think your brain is part of your body. Your brain is dead. But what was in your brain, the knowledge you had, the things that you liked, smelled, tastes, feel, all of that is going into the heart and flying away somewhere else. Um, so, like I said, it's so hard to think about death as just being done. Yeah, the finality of it really is a hard... You don't seem to like the idea of this, the stop sign or the end of the road and that being it. You like to... It gives you hope to think about something beyond this, that there, whether or not we know what it is, that there's something yes. further beyond this. And that's where I... Again, I, I think this is why I like talking to you among many other reasons, but one of the reasons is because, again, I, I seem to almost live on the other side of that current where mm -hmm. at this point in my life generally and I would say the most recent kind of you know period in my life, I've been of the mindset that it is dead over. Yeah. And that's not through any kind of callousness or um, – self-aggrandizing tragedy of like oh i'm just a dark tortured so no it just it's from what i've understood through my own experience and the things that i learned in all of my philosophy classes because i'm sorry everybody but i was a philosophy major um <laughs> which i love and i'm neither a priest nor a lawyer so i'm also very good decision maker um <laughs> would that, you sorry sure. continue with your thought i don't want to interrupt oh no we can ask are you an atheist i don't think so yeah. I don't know. And yeah. that's what that's why I want to talk about this stuff because yeah. I'm never going to I can't corner you at a barbecue and talk to you about this shit for an hour without <laughs> our could, kids. Uh, yeah, but could, but I'm sure our be kids like, would be running around. Yeah. Doing... Your husband would be like, seriously, I need help with this. And my wife would say, you know, you're really this is rude. You really shouldn't be doing this. You could, <laughs> you've got other friends here. Um, but if I don't ask people about it, I'm not going to know. Right. And I like hearing your your input on it because you have a very hopeful optimistic take on things and it's honestly it's refreshing for one but i think of 
what I for so long thought of as the mind-brain interface, I thought that there would be more of a physical correlation there. That sure. that ideas would have more of a a physical manifestation when really our brains and our consciousness are just this fatty mass of goo covered in salt water inside of our skull that somehow consciousness arises out of that and that's still kind of the greatest magic trick ever because we don't know we're getting ever closer but we still don't know what makes that happen mm-hmm. and that almost just that in and of itself to me is miraculous enough to use an ironic term that makes life to me feel very special mm-hmm. that the same way ants look at us we would look at something beyond our own existence the idea that okay if this weird thing happening all of this life is what happens when you just leave milk out too long from the fridge you know that just mold grows <laughs> on it, the idea of it's a great example if god didn't and it's not mine i cribbed that from somewhere but if god <laughs> made all of this as the big watchmaker to me that almost feels like a cop-out of like well that just disrespects or dismisses all of this stuff that we can demonstrably say about the, the origins of the universe which again is a huge unsolved mystery but the idea that there was just this rock hurtling through space around a star and from that we have microphones right <laughs> like, that shouldn't happen this shouldn't be here right it's just as likely nothing is here and the idea of I don't know what happened for all of eternity before me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to know what happens for all of eternity beyond me. Enjoy it while you're here. Stop torturing yourself. Nobody's right. yelling at you. Just shut up and have a good time. Right. You know, be kind right. to others. I happen to have found somebody who is very happy with me, who I make very happy, and who I'm very happy with. And I consider that such, again, small m miracle of just like Mm -hmm. the odds of two hairless monkeys finding each other and saying i want to spend the rest of my life with you knowing that one day it's gonna end for both of us right and and yet i still make morbid jokes about like all right but if i died you'd tell me right and i I genuinely (laughs) there was a part of me that would think if i died and i was hanging around as a ghost my wife would not tell me because she just she would because she'd love it so much she would miss me and she would want me around to say hi um this morning when we were both warming up our cars to go out uh she left first i came out to the garage second the garage door was down because she didn't see my car warming up and i called her and said nice try (laughs) you don't get rid of me that easily But like it's thank god you went out to check well pff, I, I mean i would have seen it eventually but <laughs> it, that's the idea for me that life is so short then mm-hmm. don't take this for granted mm-hmm. you've already won the lottery you exist you're here right it ends for everybody and it could just end tomorrow that's mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. i have somebody in my family who uh just was hit on the head and had uh an embolism release that had been there like waiting like a time bomb oh my gosh and a couple days later she passed and it just that kind of and i think uh i think you have a mutual friend with my wife who was walking with his kids in florida yes and a car just jumped the curb Mm -hmm. and that killed him instantly in front of his children in front of his kids how do you rationalize that Right. And and you can't. And that's the struggle. I mean, that's what I think we could get into 
the science, the religion, the why do these things happen and talk about that for hours. I think how, how can God do this if, you know, if you believe in God and a good God, how can God do this? And it's like, but he made you too. It, and once again, we could get into, did he make you? Was it science? Blah, blah, blah. But I think to me, when you're talking about miracles, there can be miracles. <laughs> Just kidding. If you ever um, have the chance, get this woman to sing for you. She has a fantastic <laughs> voice. That was not a good example of that. Um, but if you do believe in miracles, I think if you have kids, you have to look at that. To me, that was a miracle when I had my first child, my son. I think having him, even though I was pregnant for nine months, when he came into the world, it's just like, how does that happen? It's not just science. It's not just, oh, let's have sex and the sperm and the egg and blah, blah, blah. It's not just that. It's like, this is a miracle. At some point, he, he became a little person who right. likes Ninja Turtles and like <laughs> has a very specific personality and opinions on macaroni. <laughs> And yeah, to just equate that down to just like, well, these two chemicals came together. Like at some point, something ephemeral happens right. there that right. just, what is that? I know. And I, and that's just the mystery of life. And like you said, we, I mean, we could get into ghosts and whatnot and oh, get into all that. But yeah. I, I think that you have optimism in you, by the way. So whether or not you <laughs> think you're an atheist, I think there's some there. But I think you have to see both sides and coming from someone who's related to an atheist my brother will be the first to admit he's an atheist I look at that and it's like but I know somewhere deep down you know there's something or someone or whatever it is helping you he is a person who's escaped death numerous times in his life and recently he was on his deathbed I mean uh, he was in hospice um he had liver and kidney failure and like a minister came in, like he was on his deathbed. Um, then miraculously, he got a phone call that he would be flown to another hospital and have a liver transplant. Now he's home going through dialysis with a functioning liver. Now someone had to die for him to get that liver. Once again, talking about that heart fluttering away, the body is dead and how awful that someone lost a child and a person in their life where they're gone, but their liver and their organs are going to help my brother live. That's miraculous in itself. And that's what I mean by their brain might be black, but their body is there helping other people. And then it goes black and then the soul, you know, is released. And that's my belief. But I told my brother when he called me, he said, and he was sounded very, very sick and very awful. And he called me and he said, they found a liver and he was really down and said, this is a good thing, but I could die because this is a really risky procedure and um, my whole life is going to be different after this. And I said to him, yeah, but you're going to live. And I joked with him a lot and I said, you've been on your deathbed numerous times in terms of he was in a car accident that he should have been dead. He survived. He rolled his Jeep Wrangler seven times on an interstate Jeez. and it was a ball of metal and he walked away with the scratch. And so I joked with him and I said, someone is out there watching over you and you've done this before and you've tried to die many times, but yet you're still here. And once again, you've cheated death. And for him to say he doesn't believe in God, sure. Sure. 
that's that's your choice. But I would love to talk to him once he's healthy and once he's in a good mindset to just be like, what is your take on it now? Because all of the other times that have happened, like car accident, yeah, that's terrifying. You have nightmares for weeks and you learn how to be safe and pay attention as you drive. Um, and it sucks and it's scary, but you walked away and it's kind of like the years pass and you're fine. Yeah, not to be flippant about it, but that could be flip of a coin of just right. the car went this way and not that way. Therefore, you get to right. walk away. But this yeah. was a but car this... accident in slow motion. He was yes. I mean, very this aware was of what was happening. Aware. He passed out behind his car because they think it was because his air conditioning stopped working and he was driving uh, from Minnesota to Kansas. Um, and... So, yeah, then he he woke up when he was on the side. His car was on the side of the road, and he woke up and overcompensated and spun the wheel and, and rolled it a bunch. So, I mean, that he was very conscious and aware that whole time that was happening. Um, you know, they took him, the, the 911 got the call and said, well, this person's dead. There's no way they could have survived this from all the witnesses and people who saw it. And like I said, he walked away with a scratch. Jeez. So that was one. And now this is two where, um, based off circumstances that I don't know if I should get into, his body failed him. And um, he decided that he wanted to live. And he would do everything in his power to fight this, to go to dialysis, to do this and that, to be on the transplant list. And he fought it and he won and he has a new liver and he actually just went home yesterday. Oh, wow. um, and this happened in a matter of like two and a half months that That's he went crazy. through all this. And so I think I would love to just sit down and be like, what do you think now? How can you not necessarily believe in God, but how can you not believe that someone or something is out there watching over you because you've given been given so many chances? And then people might say, well, now what is he going to do with his life? Is he going to go do something amazing? And you be, better not waste it. Right? Yeah. But I think if you can just look back on this and realize like, there's something out there that wants you to live and whether that's so you can make your wife happy and be with her and look at this beautiful earth and take everything in sure whether that's you take it and you become a motivational speaker and you change people's lives and you do this and that I don't know but I think everything is happening for a reason because someone or something wants us to be here for a certain reason and on the flip side if someone's taken away it's not that Oh, they're taken away. I I used to think people died and were taken away because God needed them for something really important. And now I it's like when that happens, if it's bad, like the friend that you were saying, both your wife and I know, it's awful. And I can't imagine even God saying, well, I'm going to take this person because I need them for something even more important. But I do believe as horrible as it is that everything happens for a reason Mm. whether that reason is because of a higher power or not i don't know Hmm. okay (laughs) so i want to be mindful of the time it is about five to four oh my goodness are you doing okay shoot i should yeah we should probably you want to wrap up that's okay no that's not a problem at all um before i let you go totally fine um ghosts (laughs) You yeah. believe? I do. Okay. Um, quick story. Oh, I God, lived in please. a I lived in a sorority house in college. I went to school in Kansas, obviously, and in some of the more midwestern southern schools, sororities are huge. I mean, like and also huge mansions where sixty girls live in it. Um, 
So it's winter break, I think it was, and the house closes over winter break. I, being from Minnesota, and most of the people are from Kansas, Iowa, um, surrounding states, I was one of the last persons to, or people, people to leave. Um, and so I'm sitting there packing my bag. And keep in mind, our sorority house is known to be haunted. It is one where, sadly, a girl in like the, gosh, it was built in the 40s, I think, and it had to have been. It was in the 40s that I think she died, was sitting on her windowsill, and the window gave out, and she flew out the window and died. She broke her neck. Whoa. And the, everyone, you know, over the years has said that this girl haunts the house. Okay. And so, I, you know, it's just silly rumors, whatever. People talk about it. So I'm sitting there packing my bag. And, you know, people bring up stories as the years go on about, well, this happened to me, and this happened to me, and you're just like, whatever. But I had my hairbrush on the top of like a pretty high counter and I'm across the other side of the room packing my bag and you know like if something like a big bang happened or if someone brushed past it like the hairbrush would just fall you know off its top shelf right right to the bottom of the floor Mm -hmm. I'm packing my bag this hairbrush was lifted up I didn't see it get lifted up but the next thing I knew it is right next to me by my bag as in it sounded like someone picked it up and chucked it across the room <laughs> against the wall. I don't know if the ghost was trying to kill me or if she was trying to help me remember my hairbrush. Don't forget your brush. But I said to myself, that's not normal. It doesn't just go and fly. And I ran out in the hall and looked to see. Who's if, messing with you? And obviously I was the last person there. There was not a single girl left. The house mom was there. It was not the house, mom. I would have, she's older. I would have seen her like scurrying down the hall. Right. She would have done it. You know when you're um, alone in an area. And it was like, whoa, this is when I think I believe in ghosts. And I've also been to a psychic, which she kind of opened my mind to, yeah, this is the real deal. <laughs> is this the same psychic that our <laughs> mutual friend also goes to? Yes. Okay. I have many <laughs> questions for her about that as well. Yes. Um, I want to be mindful of the time, but yes. can I just ask, what was it like to be in that moment with something that you could not see that you think is messing with you? Or not messing with you, but like, I was wish it I terror? would have known. I wish I would have known at the time how I feel now. Now I feel like much more comfortable. Like I would be like, hey, how are you? And want to talk to the ghost. Sure. At the time, I was 100% when I ran to the hall and look, I was 100% terrified and I just grabbed my stuff and ran. I think I forgot like a million things because I just like was like, I need to get out of here. Um, so it's it's terror because you obviously can't see ghosts. It's but, It defies all logic. You don't know what it is. Suddenly I got to go. I got to get. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. At that time it was. But now it's almost like, yeah, this is a little eerie, a little scary. But I also think that they're there for a reason to maybe you can help them or either – something happened where they didn't get to where they needed to be sure a soul once again that little heart fluttering around i mean it's the soul not like i see this creepy person who's clear and like iridescent like walking around in a body like i think it's it's a soul that's out there that's saying like either help me or hey i'm here things are great i'm just chilling out in the house that you bought because i died in it who knows what it is but 
I've heard many spooky things in my life. I can't think of a time in my life I've had somebody I know sit directly across from me and tell me <laughs> they've been spooked by a ghost. Yes. So you have a definite first there. I want to have you back on and talk all about ghosts and spooky, spooky stuff and supernatural stuff because yeah. it sounds like you have an interesting take on it. I, I would love to come back and talk to you about that. that. Okay. And side note, yeah. I, I cr- I'm correcting myself because I realized how ignorant I sounded when I was going through talking about Catholicism and Lutherans mm. and all different religions, I should have said Islam. I think I said Muslim ah, instead. Faith so, versus, yeah. Okay. So excuse me for <laughs> saying that. I'll put a preface at the start of the show. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for this having me. Absolute delight. You are a refreshing bit of sun. Thank you, Sunny. <laughs> you are so welcome. Very cool.